I've talked with a lot of pros on the Pickleball Fire podcast, but I don't think I've ever heard such a complete teaching system for pickleball as the one that Tim Hensley has developed. It's called Trust, and it came from Tim's experience as a frustrated professional tennis player. Be sure to give this episode a listen, as he has some great insights that go way beyond just teaching how to have the proper technique. Let's get to the intro to hear from Tim. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I'd like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, Tim Hensley. Welcome, Tim. Hi, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You know, I'm so looking forward to this interview because I think it's going to be one of the most interesting ones that I've probably ever done. But before that, I always do like to start off a little bit with your background in terms of how you got started playing pickleball and how long ago that was. Uh, yeah, thank you for asking. I was a professional way back to early days, uh, left home when I was 18, became a professional tennis player. I coached and played tournaments. And I was one of those frustrated players that never really could put it together. I practiced much better than I played in tournaments. I had some good wins and I had a lot of losses and it was really difficult between my ears. And the mental game was really difficult for me to overcome. And I never really uh, learned how to win. I spent hours and hours and hours hitting millions of balls, practicing, drilling, hitting against the backboard, the ball machine, picking up players, anyone, any caliber. It didn't matter. Playing matches, doing the best I could, but I had missed several components. Fast forward, life happens. I stopped playing at age 26. I got married and uh, life changed for me. I went into the business world and fast forward, pickleball comes along. And this is probably six or seven years ago now. I'd have to think back. But pickleball became very interesting to me because it was a combination of wiffle ball, baseball wiffle ball that I played when I was a younger uh, kid. And then tennis, of course, a racket sport. So I picked it up. I loved it. And then I had to learn how to play. Through that process, I ended up doing some research, collecting stats and data. I watched film, uh, YouTube of uh, all the players and all levels. And I actually sat down and I counted and figured out, uh, counted the strokes. I timed matches, a, num a number of statistics that I analyzed. And then I came up with a different system. Through that process, I learned that I didn't know how to win. And then that's what became an offshoot of me reinventing who I am as a person and how I teach and play pickleball. You know, that's quite a statement. And, you know, also being, you know, an athlete ever since I could remember, you know, playing college sports, the idea that we've never learned how to win is, I think that's going to be really eye-opening for people because now you've got essentially a system that you spent, you know, many years putting together and actually it came through pickleball, interestingly enough. So, you know, help us understand what's involved in learning how to win. Yeah. So what I found, I was not, I was not taught how to win. I was not taught how, when we play anything or in life, in business, we need to have a quietness, calmness, state of mind about us. If we just react emotionally, which is what I did many, many, many matches, I was 
not nice to, to be around when I lost. And I, of course, I was nice to be around when I won. And I lost more than I won. And I had to learn that, what, what this mental game, how, how do I overcome it? There's books that have been written. One of the biggest ones that I uh, read back then was The Inner Game of Tennis. It was by Timothy Galloway. And I read everything I could find. That helped me to a certain point um, going to the ball, to Nick Bolletary, and this is tennis days, um, going to those academies, going to Vic Braden and, and some of the other elite players and academies that I was around. We didn't know how to win. I wasn't taught how to win in the mental game. We all knew the mental game was really important, but winning, how do I win? So I had to go back to the drawing board. I met a personal friend of mine over in England. He teaches still on the tennis side, me for pickleball. And getting into that zone, There, how do we do it? I, I was told that I had to become tournament tough, mentally tough. How do we do this? I started questioning the old things that I had been taught. How do I get into this quietness, calmness, the zone? There is a methodology, and through the research and the data that I did, and this was over a three-year period of time that I was researching and exploring and reinventing who I was as a person and a pickleball player, what emerged from this data was a system, and it's called, it. we, we have labeled it the trust system, T-R-U-S-T. It's a systematic approach of learning to play the game and win more matches, having more joy, fun, and the W's just come. And we do that by the T stands for tactics. We have to know the game plan. And that I found through this research, there's five two-shot combinations. That's it. In our, in our sport, in pickleball, whatever level you're at, no matter whether you're lefty or righty, male, female, short, tall, fat, skinny, slow, fast, it doesn't matter. There's five two-shot combinations for doubles. And in singles, there's the same shot combinations. When you put those, learn and put those two-shot combinations into practice, you end up winning more. That's what the percentages tell me, not every point, but you end up winning more. So that's the T, tactics. And we learn those. I coach those. Each segment of those two-shot, com- the, the five two-shot combinations. Now, and, to, to make it a little bit more concrete, can you give an example of just one of those two-shot combinations? Yeah, well, the beginning one is the serve plus one. So we serve, and what does our partner do in doubles? What does our partner do, and where's the next shot? So it's serve plus one, return plus one, dink plus one, lob plus one, and return lob plus one. Those are the five two-shot combinations. And we have to go through each one. Where do we hit the ball? Because it, as we statistically, when I set a player up, I hit in a certain area, I know where the percentages are that they're going to hit the ball back to. That's the percentages tell me. Now, not 100% of the time, but 80% of the time, they're going to hit to a designated area that I already know in advance where they're going to hit the ball. How is that? How is that in your mind knowing that before I even serve or return serve, I know where the opponent is going to return my ball to? 
And so does my partner if they've learned and played the way that I coach and know what I know. So that's the tactics. And you have to go through them and you have to practice them. So, and that gets me into the R, repetition. So we've got T-R-U-S-T, T is the tactics, R is the repetition, repetitiveness, doing it over and over, repeat and rinse, repeat and just keep doing it over and over and becoming really, really good at hitting that shot. And it, there are certain designated areas on the court that opens up an area, a gap, like volleyball, if you will, it's set up and spike. So I'm going to set my partner up so that my part by hitting to a certain designated area on the court, playing the percentages, my partner then is set up to spike the ball like in volleyball, step across forehand or backhand. There is no forehand or backhand in the world that I play. It's or play to the man or play to the weaker person. Those types of that type of thinking and strategy is not playing to the percentages, and it really is a very weak game plan. So I play to the percentages. Do I win every point? No. Do I win every match? No. But I don't expect to either. But the percentages tell me from my data and my research that if I continue to play that way and my partner plays that way, we have a higher percent of uh, chance of winning and we're going to have more joy, fun, and then the W's come. Well, let me, let me ask a question about the repetition portion before we go on to the next one. Yes. Now, the repetition, it's not just about technique, is it? Great, great comment. It is not about, I am not a, uh, yes, I know I don't get into the technique. Pickleball is an interesting sport, isn't it? It's the fastest growing sport in the world. Why? Because so many different levels of people and ages can play it. We play with a wiffle ball and you smack a, this plastic ball off of a paddle and your strokes don't have to be beautiful, don't have to be perfect. However, if you can use your style of technique, you can place it into a designated area that's going to give you a higher percentage of winning the point versus just going out and banging the ball and, and striking it and hitting it as fast as you can at the other person and hope they lose the point, therefore you win. And that's a, that is an interesting concept. Many out there are playing to, they, they really are playing defense. And what I see a lot of people learning and coaching out there is you're going to hit the ball hard at the other, at your opponents. And if they get it back and happen to win the point, great. Hey, you look good. However, if they miss the point because you've hit it so hard at them and they miss it, they lose the point. And we think that is really good play. That is called defensive playing. I am trying to get you to, to lose the point. Instead of me winning the point, I'm going to set my partner up. They're going to hit it back to a certain area on the court. My partner's going to step across and hit through a gap, an opening that was created. And we win the point. We don't win the point by default. So mine is winning, learning to win, not win by default. In other words, me playing against you, 
I hit it so hard at you, hit it straight at your body, either your shoulder or wherever is being coached out there, and you you mishit it. Okay, well, I won the point because you mishit it. An un that's called an unforced error. However, that doesn't bring me the joy and the fun. What brings me the joy and the fun is like it's a chess match. I set you up, I, an opening is created. My partner steps in and you hit through the gap and you win the point, not by default. You win the point because it's it was set up and you strike the ball and hit it through the gap. And by the way, if I can say this while we're on this, I see so much singles played in doubles. Yes, singles in doubles. When it's, especially in mixed doubles, there's a designated area that the female is supposed to play in. What is that? That is so degrading. In my opinion, that really puts a woman in her place. And I cannot stand that. We are a team. And if I put a particular partner in their place because I'm so good and I reach over and I take that forehand because that's my side, forehand, even though my partner may have a great backhand, male or female, and a lefty or a righty, it doesn't matter. The way that I coach and teach, it doesn't matter whether you're male, female, a lefty, a righty, uh, a great forehand, a great backhand, short, tall, fat, skinny, slow, it fast, it doesn't matter because we're playing to the percentages. And when you play this way, that's called doubles. It's we. In mixed doubles, I see this so often today, currently, the female knows her place. And I just think that is so degrading to put a very good player in the corner to just get the ball back so that I can run here and run there and hit with my strength, my power, because I'm a male and be able to just show how good I am. That's called singles. That's not doubles in, in, in my book anyway. Now, many yeah. people are winning that way, but yeah. And, and, you know, that actually nobody's spoken of that on the podcast, but even when you watch, I was actually at the San Clemente PPA tour stop and I was yeah. right there and you've got Ben Johns playing yeah. with Simone Jardim and yeah. that's exactly, I mean, Simone's this amazing player and she's got this little teeny section of the court. <laughs> well, that, this is uh you know, this really kind of, you know, gets my blood going because that really, and all due respect to them because they are fantastic, awesome players, both of them. So, you know, if I was Simone's partner, I think she would have more joy and fun. Now she does, of course, because winning, you know, with her partner. However, inside of her is what I am looking for. I want the joy and the fun to exuberate from inside the person, male or female, that they stepped across in front of my male partner and hit a backhand through the gap and won and won the point because my male partner hit to a designated area and set me up just like volleyball set up and spike to me. I have found the women that I've coached and played with. They have so much more joy, so much more fun. Uh, their game picks up by the way, their confidence, their self-esteem, who they are as a person. So the other way, like I hate to say it, like I see Ben, Ben's a great guy. However, he plays singles. 
and everyone says how great he is, and he is. He is really, really good. However, he's not such a good doubles partner, and neither was I, and that's how I can say that in tennis, thinking that I am something more than I am. And so some of this, as we work our way through the trust system, TRU, the U stands for under pressure. So I put people under simulated pressure on the pickleball court so that when they step on the tournament court, they have already been through pressure. And it's just another point. It's just another game. So how, how do you actually simulate pressure in practice? Well, there's a number of different techniques that I can't really get into here. It has to be, you know, on court and just kind of the act, you know, the the actions and what I do. I just have, I learned there's nine levels and I know how to apply pressure. Along with that pressure is, comes the next step. And by the way, these are all integrated. And when you're on the court with me, you never feel any of this, the steps that I'm describing and breaking down here. It's, they're all integrated, they all play together and you never really uh, feel it, but I'm gonna push your buttons. I'm gonna tick you off. I'm gonna get you out on the court and I'm gonna get you so that you're gonna be irritated with me. And through this process, we go into the S. So we went to tactics, we went to repetition, we went to you, the under pressure, simulated under pressure, and we practice that way. And we learn that. And then the S is self. What about me? So I'm going to irritate you. I'm going to get under your skin so much so you're going to say, why am I paying you? I'm paying you a lot of money. Why am I out here doing this? Why are you making me do this foolish thing? You're doing these things here and it's really irritating me. Exactly. And I'm pushing your buttons because I'm putting you under pressure and I want that to be there. And then we're going to have a discussion about it. And you're going to learn more and more about yourself. You're going to learn things such as the excuses and the lies that we, and I'm included, I'm no different. We tell ourselves these lies in our minds and we, we, we say the weather is bad. Oh, it's too windy. Well, some days it is too windy. That ball flies clear from one side to the other side of the court and it's bad. But we tell ourselves and that gets into our heads and it has me. Noises. Tennis is a big thing. Everybody's got to be quiet because the professional is playing out there. Now in pickleball, that's not so true. However, we do hear whispers. We hear them talking about us on the court. We can hear the Silence. Oh, did you see that shot? Did you see what he did? Oh, you hear those things because we're tuned into that. So we hear these kinds of noises. Somebody walks by. We're distracted. These things get into our head. Delays, maybe the rain, the weather, something delay, or a match went longer and you're not getting onto the onto your match court when you thought you were and you warmed up too soon. Referee decisions. The refs make bad calls. They miss calls. Or the player does in the lower level rounds. And these things get into our head and we tell ourselves lies. Uh, Gamesmanship. There's others that they yell and they, they have these antics out on the court trying to disrupt the other players. 
their opponent because it's gamesmanship that they do. There's a bad bounce. Oh, that was a bad bounce. So I mishit it. And that's why I lost the point. We're lying to ourselves. Oh, that was a stupid error I just made. Why do I make that error? Uh, that was dumb. Why can't I do this? I do this in practice, but now I can't do it here. Uh, perfectionism, hypercriticism, the lists go on and on. We're, we paralyze ourselves by overanalysis. Some of us want to analyze everything we do. Well, my forehand, that stroke, and that's where some of the coaching comes into play is where they want to they focus in on having a perfect swing. And they want to they make these comments like, keep your eye on the ball. I don't say that one time. It is totally impossible. It's proven you can't. Now, on some of the slow balls, you can see that paddle almost strike the ball, but you cannot instantly see it exactly when it strikes the paddle. It's important, especially at different speeds. So I don't ever say, watch the ball, watch the ball. I coach different. How to hit a top spin. The ball is divided up into zones and we hit quad four versus a slice or an underspin. A, a topspin comes naturally. The way our world is designed and the way that we've got gravity, you don't have to try. You don't flick your wrist. You don't roll your wrist. You don't do anything with your wrist that your body wasn't designed to do in a natural topspin because of where you make contact with the ball, tanking it frustration, sometimes tanking it. Some partners get so disgusted with each other, they just, one partner just tanks and they give up. That's not a partner. You know, they're just in their head, these lies that they're telling themselves. And we tell them self-berating. We put ourselves down. We have unreal expectations. We're trying too hard. Less is more. There was a great interview with Scott Moore. And this was several years ago. And he was at the Tournament of Champions. It was an interview. And the interviewer in, asked him this question, Scott, you're a great player. You win matches. You're winning singles, men's doubles, mixed doubles. What part of the game is mental? Now, we have statistics on this. There was a survey of the top 1,000 tennis players, professional players in our, in our world, and we've got the data for this. Now, here's interestingly what he said. He said that it was at least 80 to 90% of the game is mental. Well, statistically, that's really high, but his point is the game is more mental than it is technique. And when you think of it, here's a question that I ask is, if the game is 80%, if the game is 60%, mental, pick a number, pick a percentage, if it's that, the question is, how much of your game are you practicing the mental part? We go out and we spend 90% of technique and we spend 10% on the mental game, but yet we've got one of the top players in our world telling us that a very, very high percentage is mental, yet we don't spend any time in the mental game, and that's where the S comes in. We've got to learn who we are, and that comes out under pressure, and when we simulate this on the court, I'm going to bring it out, 
It's going to come out and we're going to see it and we're going to work through it. And we're going to deal with the unreal expectations in this false story that we tell ourselves. In other words, I tell myself that, you know, I'm not a really nice person because on the pickleball court or tennis court back then when I broke rackets and I was just not really nice, I'm not a good person. I'm not a caring person. I'm not a loving person. I'm an angry person. Look what I do on the tennis court, the pickleball. That's not me. That's not my story. That's not who who I am as a person. And when I'm able to separate that and get away from the lies in my mind, it frees me up to have that joy and the fun and let the W's come. So the S is really, really important in our process of the trust methodology. And the T, the last T, T T-R-U-S-T, T is for team. We have people in our player's box. We've got a spouse. We've got a, a significant other, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a family member. We've got coaches. We've got others, friends. We've got them in our player's box, in our coach, coach's box too. They're there on our side to encourage us to get through all of this. Now, those coaches have to have some understanding that we have more joy, fun, and the W's will come. They have to have some idea of these concepts, in my opinion, in order to be really good at supporting us. And some of my coaches, they were in my player's box. They're there for me, but they didn't know how to help me get into the zone. And there are, the, there are steps, four steps of quieting and you practice this, you can do it when you're driving, you, you learn it, and you get better and better and better at it. And it helps, the, it helps us with the lies that we tell ourselves. And as we progress through this and we get better and better at this mental side of the game of who we are, ourself, then our game changes and we begin to see it. We, get, we win more and we have more joy, fun, and the W's just come, Lynn. It's it's an amazing process. It transforms us. It reinvents who we are as a person on and off the pickleball court. What could be better than that? I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, just even with what you're talking about, I mean, so many coaches, like you said, just teach technique. And then there's definitely some better coaches who have a system, but I don't think they include everything that you're you're talking about here. So one of the questions is, you know, if somebody wants to have, you know, come come work with you, you know, where are you? Are you just in one location or do you travel the country? What's your setup right now? That's a great question. No, I will travel the country. It depends upon the group. I do it online as well. So we we do video, either Zoom or we do some other methodology or they send me a video of them and we work through it, or there's private lessons online. I have an online course. I will send, I I have created an ebook that describes my methodology and how I go about kind of doing this and what the steps are involved. And I'm happy if they contact me, I'll be happy to send them a copy of the ebook. I I do phone coaching. I do in-person coaching. I do group coaching video. I'm open to, to, to many different options. There's times when I will go, I have in the past where I actually go and live with a particular person for a player that wants to really learn and expedite their you know potential, who they are as a player, and will be with them for a week or two weeks, and I will live with them. 
on a day-to-day basis. And we'll go through this and it trans—it really is a transforming methodology. And I would not have learned this without doing the research and the analysis of hours and hours of film that I looked at. And, and how I used to teach tennis when I compare this is, and I've taught thousands and thousands of, of of people and some of the juniors that I taught went on to be professionals and teaching them the forehand backhand the stroke and I used to film them with video on the court way way back this is in the 80s uh, early 80s and had a great deal of success uh, I use that as well but there's a, a lot of different methodology and combined with this system now of coaching it is very unique I know I'm probably the only one in the world that is teaching this way and has a systematic approach of all these components of putting all this together, where we are able to relieve the judgmental mind that we have of ourselves, uh, the mental fatigue that we incur, the nerves that we encounter. How do we do that? Some people throw up before a match. How do we deal with that? That's normal, by the way. The scoreboard, the scoreboard gets in the way because we keep count of the score. And then our tactical awareness, those are all judged, judgmental things that we whisper to ourselves while we're playing and we work our way, you know, uh, th- through, through all of this. So I'm open to many different uh, methods. I do put this into place. I teach the, the five two-shot combinations at all levels. And I, I guarantee that when someone is done with our lessons, and, and by the way, my my objective is not to just keep giving lessons forever and ever and ever. There, It's 10 sessions. It can be expanded to a few more, but it's 10 sessions. And we go through the five two-shot combinations. And then it's practice. Then it's the repetition. And then my role backs off and their, their game will pick up and they will have more joy, more fun, and the W's will come. And then what's the name of your website and your email address or phone number, whatever you want to give them so people can reach out to you directly? Yes. The website is Big Point Pickleball Player, excuse me, bigpointpickleball.com. We actually, that's what you hear in the tennis world is, oh, they're a big point player. How does Dokovic, how does Nadal, how does Federer, how do they perform under tight pressure moments? And they're referred to as big point players. So therefore, big point pickleball, we become big point pickleball players. We know where to hit the ball at a certain time to set it up to win the point. So www.bigpointpickleball.com. And my email address is player at bigpointpickleball.com. Player, P-L-A-Y-E-R at bigpointpickleball.com. And that's all spelled out, bigpointpickleball.com. They can call me if they want. It's uh, 480-535-1950. 480-535-1950. Any of those ways are, are, are just fine. And your home base where you kind of teach locally, that's somewhere in Arizona, isn't it? Yeah, uh, Gilbert, Arizona. Okay. And what's Gilbert near? Uh, Phoenix. Okay, so is it just like a suburb of Phoenix? So anybody from the Phoenix area, it would make sense to just go uh, get some lessons from you in person? Oh, sure. Absolutely. 
And if there's a group, if if there is a group, in fact, I am beginning to put together at some resorts like many are. However, my my camps are going to be different because there's classroom work and there's on court and you're there to, you know, we were there for two days and then the remaining time is free time, lessons or free time, but uh, you're there and you're going to learn the five two-shot combinations. And uh, there's a whole lot more. We have interaction. Sometimes we pull together my partner in England. We pull together the tennis group as well. And we combine tennis and pickleball together. So we hear the mental side of the game, the same lies that we tell ourselves are being told in amongst all. And if we pulled other sports together, it wouldn't matter what sport it is. We all are telling ourselves these same lies. And how do we overcome this? And that's uh, the process that we go through in the system that I. All right. Well, that is great information, Tim. Super interesting because my background actually is in sports psychology. And as it happens, I'm also a statistician. So (laughs) yeah, anyway, so I I love, love the conversation and just really appreciate you being on today. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes.